Chronicles chapter 34. Turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. Doing a lot of talking tonight, so I'm going to have to drink some water. You know, we focus on on our youth tonight, and I've kind of I want to challenge uh, a challenge for them, but then I've also got a challenge for parents. And uh, so, before we get started tonight, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Them, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, once again, we just thank you for this time. Or this time we can come, and or we thank you for the children of our church. Or we're so blessed with these children. Or I pray that as leaders and teachers and helpers that we would uh, just invest in their lives, Lord, and that we can see down the road uh, how it's going to pay off when some of these kids are teachers and preachers and workers, Lord. And we'll just thank you for that. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now I had um, I came across. Uh, Two little stories here um, bef- before I get into the sermon here. It says, a, a father was frustrated and upset with his son's grades at school. Attempting to get his 14-year-old son to study for a test he, uh, to pull up his grades, so he told his son in uncertain terms the story of Abraham Lincoln, saying, Son, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he had a job, and he walked 14 miles in the snow, barefooted both ways. I've heard this story before, I think, somewhere. (laughs) To get to school, and every night he came home and he studied, and he did his homework, reading books by the light of the fire for the next day. But to this his son replied, Dad, when Abraham Lincoln was your age, he was the President of the United States of America. (laughs) And uh, so his his son kind of got him back on that one there a little bit. And then also, uh, I found one here, uh, Mark Twain said, When I was a boy of 14... My father was so ignorant. I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> you know, and that's so true. And uh, that's something, uh, that's about when I turned 21 and t- 22, uh, and I really started seeing some things that my parents knew that at times I didn't think, you know, and uh, sometimes it's, it's hard for children to see that, you know, the teenage years, and we've got it all figured out, and, and we've got this. We can do it on our own, but just in a few short years, we realize mom and dad knew what they were talking about. Mom and dad were trying to, to keep us from some things that were going to harm us down the road, some things that uh, is not going to better us. You know, sometimes we think, oh, man, they're just being mean. They just want me to miss out on the fun because they didn't get to have fun when they were uh, kids. But no, that's not what it is. It's because they've been down that road and they know a little bit more than what we think. Tonight as we come to Second uh, Chronicles chapter 34, we come to uh, a king here, Josiah. Josiah began ruling over Judah when he was only eight years old. Eight years old. I mean, can you imagine of having the responsibility that's put on him at only eight years old? We see that he only lived to be 39 years old, and 31 years of those he served as king. And 31 years he accomplished some great things, some great things for God, and God used him in a mighty way. We see in uh, 
verse 2 there it says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. And we see someone here that's sticking to the stuff. He said, And he did that which was right in the sight of, not himself, not others around him, but in the sight of the Lord. And not only that, but then he didn't, uh, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. He stayed that way. He didn't give to one side or the other. You know, I think there's some things that we can learn from looking at uh, Josiah tonight. I see uh, in verse 3, as we read on, it says, For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the twentieth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. So right off the bat here, we see that Josiah decided to stick by the stuff. He's seeking the Lord, and he's got a love for the Lord at a young age. You know, and this is why we uh, put so much emphasis on our children's ministry. Not that other ministries aren't important, but if we can get these kids while they're young, if we can instill in them the Word of God, you know why we do those memory verses? It's not just so they can get a piece of candy, but so that they can hide the Word of God in their heart. Amen. You know, uh, children, never think that it's too young to serve God. Never think that you're too young and there's nothing that you can do for God. With that, I say, adult, never think you're too old to serve God. Amen. Never think that you come to where, well... My time's over. I can't do anything. You know, we do have to give up some things. There might be some things that you can't do that you used to. But there's always something that we can do for God. Great things will never be accomplished for God if we do not seek Him. You know, I'm afraid today that a lot of times we, we tell God and we say, you know, I want to be used by God and, and I want to do great things for God. But that's, that's where it stops. We, we just are, we say, okay, God, here we go. But we don't want to do our part. We don't have to worry about God not doing his part. But it's, we have to ask our questions. Are we willing to do our part? Are we willing to say, hey, God, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want me to go. Being surrendered to what the Lord has for you. We see here at the age of 20, Josiah began to cleanse Jerusalem in the land of uh, Judah there of idolatry as they'd gotten their mindset off God and they put their focus on these golden images and these idols, these false gods. You know why Josiah is removing idolatry, the Lord is at work. When we're removing things that take our focus off God, then that's when he's going to bless. When we remove those things, when we get sin out of our lives, then that's when God's going to use us. That's when God's going to allow great things to be done through us. The Lord cannot work through us if we are holding on to sin. That, that's sin that we just don't quite want to give up. We say, well, God, can I just keep this, this little sin? He says, no. I want, I want all of you. You've got to cleanse yourself from that. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight 
in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. There's a race that we're in today. And that's what we're trying to get these kids at a young age. We're trying to get them start the race right. Just as a pastor preached the other day, you want to start right, you want to run right, and then you want to finish right. Hey, well, it's our job. We got to get them started right. We got to get them started as parents. We got to make sure they're in the house of God. We got to make sure that, they're, uh, that we're uh, giving them the word of God, that we're being the example that we need to be. You know, we can't just pass it all on to the church to do that for us as parents. It's got to be something that we do. You know, it's talking about lay aside every weight and the sin. You know, just because it's not sin, it still might be something that's weighing you down. There still might be some things that, you know what, that's distracting us, that's weighing us down. You know what, I could do more for God, but there's this one thing. Maybe it's time that we lay that aside. Maybe it's, it's time that we say, okay, God, I'm willing to lay this aside. You know, um, I don't have very much experience in running races. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not a runner. Only time I run is to the buffet bar, <laughs> and that's about it. Maybe the dessert bar there at Golden Corral. <clears throat> but, you know, I do know that, you know, they train with weights. They, they train with weights on and to work up, to build strength. But I don't know any runner that leaves those weights on when it's time for the main race because that's going to slow him down. That's going to hinder him from finishing the race strong, from finishing well. Well, in the Christian life, there's things that weigh us down that hinders us from finishing well. See here, at the age of 26, he ordered the temple to be repaired here and, uh, you know, to, to cleanse, to get him away from idolatry. You know, that's only part of it. To get the wrong out of it, that's only half of it. And that's where it's got to start. But then there's got to be that second part of rebuilding. There's got to be that time that we build up with truth. You know, how many times we, we may be good at pointing out to others, oh, hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, that's not what a Christian does. Don't go there. Don't do that. But how many times do, after we do that, do we say, hey, this is why we don't do that. It's not just because I think that, but it's because the Word of God says that. Once we tear it down, once we get the sin out, once we, uh, as we're helping, uh, maybe there's uh, baby Christians who just got saved. They don't know all this. And they need somebody, not that we go and tear them down, but we're tearing down the idols, we're tearing down the things in their life. But then we've got to build them back up. We've got to build them back up with the truth. And we've got to be careful that we're not building them up with our philosophies, but that we're building them up with the Word of God. <clears throat> you know, I see it, it makes a difference when you seek God at a young age. It makes a difference. It makes a difference when you keep a clean life before God. You know, not every kid that we have in our Sunday school is going to be in church the rest of their life. It's sad to, to have to think of that and to talk about that, but it's just reality. They're not all going to make it. But are we just going to give up on the ones that will because we say, you know what? They're not all going to make it. So I guess, I mean, the ones that will, will, and the ones that won't, won't. Is that the mindset or the attitude that we should have? No, because you don't know with what a difference 
you can make. Maybe there's one that's on the border, that's on the line. Maybe they'll actually, even, they'll stray away, they'll get out of church. But you know what? There'll be that time and that point when they come back and they think, remember that Sunday school teacher I had? Brother Mike was telling me a few months ago about somebody that talked to him that he had in his class, you know, and they'd gotten out and they know they need to get back in church. You think, you know, Brother Mike been praying for that guy. You think that uh, God can't bring somebody back that's astray? Hey, God can do it as long as we don't give up on him. It makes a difference to keep a clean life before, uh, before God. also makes a difference when we're a witness to those around and when we're being the example that we need to be. You know, as children as a young age, they don't have a whole lot of choice. You know, at least hopefully they don't. Hopefully parents say, hey, we're going to church. And that's, that's all there is to it. But as they get older, that's when they start having to make decisions. And that's when it comes back to this time. Because if they're grounded... And that's going to come through. If we train up a child the way it should go, then he will not depart from it when he is old. You know, uh, I see here that I was looking at some statistics and, you know, say that 85% of kids that get saved get saved between the age of 5 and 14. A crucial time. It's a crucial time as we have these kids, as we have the opportunity each week to open the Word of God and to present the gospel to them. That's the most crucial time. The, the highest percentage. Now, we know that there, obviously there's others, you know, older kids that get saved and, and may have another opportunity. But, man, this is, we've got to take advantage. We've got to take advantage of what's set before us. Now, some other um, statistics that I have. 70% of young adults ages 23 to 30 stopped attending church regularly for at least one year. They stopped attending church for at least one year during age 18 to 22. 70% according to Lifeway Research. 70%. You say, well, those are, those are older kids. You're talking 18 to 22. But here's the thing. If we don't start now, when they get to this age, they're going to be in that 70%. If we don't start now, if we don't put a stronghold upon our kids, if we don't pray for them daily, Satan is after our youth today. Satan is after the young kids of our church today because he doesn't want them to make a difference. You know, it says of that 70%, 20% of them had kind of made it up in their mind. That meant once I get out of the house and I'm getting out of church, 20% of the 70 so that leaves 50% that left, and they said it was due to life-changing experiences or issues, whether it be relationships. Parents, we better be careful who we allow our kids to be with. It can make or break the future of their lives, of things that they'd seen in their own families, fakes and phonies. That's what the, the 50% is where the kids said, you know what? They always preached at me how important this was and, and how you need to be in church, but then they didn't uphold to it. 
They weren't there when they could be. And they had, they'd go on and on and on with excuses that people use. But 50% of the 70% just leave because of issues. Is there ever an issue that God can't handle? No. You know, so many times we look at, at issues or we compare our life. Well, look at this person. Hey, that's, no, that's not what we do. We look at God. We look at God and then all we see is fault and self. And then we start to think, man, I'm about to leave church. I'm about to give up on God because why? Because he died on the cross for me. Because he gave all that he had for me. When it comes down to it, if they want to look at what they're really... If they get the excuses, Satan gives them excuses that they're looking at. But if they get down to where the rubber meets the road and they put away the excuses, they say, hey, you know what? I'm giving up on church. I'm giving up on God because I can make my own decisions now. And I'm I'm turning my back on him because of all he did for me. And then you see where they are down the road. I didn't get the statistic of how many people return, but I'm sure it's pretty low. It's pretty low. Now, it's, it's still worth going after them. It's still worth going after them. I can think of people that are out there right now that are worth going after, that need to be gone after. Don't allow us to let them slip through the gaps. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to slip through the gaps right now. But as parents, as teachers and helpers and leaders of the church, we got to step up. we got to make sure that we're doing our part. That's why it's so crucial now to get these kids. You know, it's so important that we live what we teach our kids. You know, it's more than just telling them that they need to be in church. It's them seeing mom and dad go to church. It's them seeing it lived out in their life. It's them seeing, hey, you know what? We didn't know how we were going to make it, but God provided it for us. God provided it for us. Share those things with your kids. Yeah, you might not necessarily tell them all the struggles and the heartaches that you're going through, but man, when God just comes through for you, which He does every time, share that with them. Teach them at a young age how God will provide. You say, what are some things that I can do to help train up my child. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You know, we have, we're going to have some, some kids, some young adults, that go out on their own. But if you live by this verse, Proverbs 22.6, then you don't have to worry about it. Oh, you worry about them, but you know what you say? You pray for them. You do all you can, but in the end, you say, God, I did what you told me to do. There's, if you live by this, if you train them up like they're supposed to be, like they're supposed to go, then the responsibility is not on you anymore. It's on them because they're making their own decisions. But what is our goal in, in raising our children? Is it just uh, to get them as much things as we can? To be the best parent, we all want to be good parents to our kids. We want to be able to get them things. But the Bible teaches us that our top priority ought to be spiritual things. Ought to be teaching and raising up these children spiritually. Teaching them that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. They'll just trust Him 
with them. You know, we are to instill the unshakable faith that's going to support them when the devil sends his attacks. When he's after them, the devil's going to send those fiery darts at the young ones. But if they've got the grounded faith, the unwavering faith, they're going to be able to stand strong. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 7, we see how parents should talk daily to their children about the things of God. And uh, talk about, hey, you talk to them when you're up, when you're walking about, when you're uh, anywhere you are talking to them about the things of God. You know, God has given parents a great responsibility. It's a privilege and an honor, but it's a great responsibility to fulfill in, in raising a parent. It's, it's not something that's just taken lightly, but God's entrusted you with that young one that young boy, that young girl, whoever it is that uh, you are under there, that you are a parent of, that God has entrusted you. Now you have to ask yourself, what am I going to do with this? How should you teach your child? You've got to love them. You've got to love them unconditionally. But just because you love them unconditionally doesn't mean that you put up with things that are wrongdoings or things that they shouldn't do. You've got to have love. You've got to be unconditional love for them. But you've got to be stern. You've got to take a stand. Right. You can't waver just because, well, I don't want to hurt my child. You're doing more hurt to them there than you are by just sticking with the Word of God. You know, sometimes we have to admit that we've done wrong. Sometimes, you know, uh, kids may think, well, my parents think I'm perfect or something. We know that nobody's perfect. But, you know, sometimes we have to... Admit to them that we've made a mistake or we messed up, but that God is there to forgive us for that. Hey, we're the ones that got to teach them. Hey, when you mess up, you're going to mess up. But go to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We ought to push our kids. We ought to push them. And there's kids in here that got great potential. And... Uh, it's exciting to see just the, the different talents and things that God has blessed these young kids with. And, man, let's, let's push them to be the best that they can be. And whether that be uh, maybe it's playing an instrument or maybe it's a sport, those things aren't bad. But, hey, let's push them to use those talents and things for God. There's things that there's uh, any talent and ability can be used to please God in one way or another. Let's emphasize the importance of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Emphasize the relationship with Jesus Christ by encouraging them in the Word of God. You know, maybe they're not old enough to read it themselves, but, you know, having that time set aside for you and your kids, just take a minute out of a busy schedule, sit down, and, and just talk about how good God's been, how God's blessed. Look Look at some different stories, some different illustrations that God's given us to say, hey, look, this is how we can apply this to our lives. Look how God provided for them. You know what? He can do the same thing for you. That's where, they, that's where they're going to learn most of their learning is at home. That's where they're going to get the most of it, or they're not going to get it. That's up to us. By, by telling them to obey God, to obey God and allow Him to have the outcome. 
allow God to just, whatever he sees fit, be the outcome of it. You know, sometimes it's, it's hard for children to understand, you know, the, the will of God and, and things like that. But, you know what, it, it's easy just to say, hey, you know what, this situation that we're dealing with, we're just going to trust God. We're just going to trust God. And, you know, uh, Billy, there's going to be some times in your life where Satan tells you it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just give up. You're, you're missing out on things of the world. I mean, look, your friends, they're partying, they're having a good time. It's just not worth it. Just, just give it up. There's going to be times when you have to deal with that. But you know what? It always pays to obey God. It always pays to obey God and to follow His command. Because the only thing that you'll be missing out by not partici- participating in those things, only thing you'll be missing out is the consequences that they have to face. And that's going to be a good miss out. That's going to be something that you don't want to be a part of. When a party gets busted or something, kids are getting put in jail, getting probation, all these things. Is it worth it then? Is it worth it? My challenge for the kids tonight is to never give up on God. To never give up on God. To never give in even when it seems like you can't go on. For parents to never give up training, to never give up teaching, to never give up investing, whether it be your own children or the children of the church. Just remember, every time, you may not even think about it, might not even be in church, but you're out the store, you see them or something, they're, they're watching you. They're watching, they're saying, hey, my Sunday school teacher said this on Sunday, but I saw him out of the store doing this. Sometimes we think, Oh, they won't catch on. You know, they're just kids. Oh, they catch on to a lot more than what we think. And it can be a deal breaker in the end. And I know that none of us want to be guilty of turning someone away. Of them being able to look back and say, Well, you know what? I was doing pretty good, but then I saw so-and-so. And I saw what he did, so I thought, Well, I'd just do this. You never know what it may cost them. We don't want to be guilty of that. But you know, we need to pray for these kids. We need to pray for these kids daily. You know, it's such a great honor and privilege for me to be able to work here at the church and to work with these kids and to get to, to deal with the Sunday school classes and just to be around them, go in there, pop in and, and talk to them, you know, get them all round up and wound up before the teacher takes over because I just walk out. And then they have to do the dirty work of calming them down and things. But to see that I've seen kids, they come up, they tell me, hey, I learned my verse this week. Hey, my, my teacher's been encouraging me. I'm almost there because if I, if I say my verse this many times in a row, man, I get to go out to eat or I get this prize. You say, oh, well, they're just doing it for that. No, I don't think so. But even if they are, they're still getting the word of God in them. And I think it's worth it in the end. You know, we've got a bright future here at Community Baptist Temple. And that, it, that's, uh, we see these kids up here, and like I said, I can't wait to see down the road what some of these kids are going to be doing. And, uh, you know, I see myself 10, 15 years ago, you know, thinking, and I was a little guy just running around. 
Never would have thought what God would have had in store for me. But I'm telling you, kids, it pays just to stay faithful to God and to allow Him to work in your life. Parents, stay faithful to God. It pays for a child to be faithful to God and just to trust God. But you know what? As parents, we just got to trust God. We just got to count on Him. We just got to say, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you, and I want to do my best to raise my family pleasing you. Hey, I know that means that I'm going to have to make some commitments. I'm going to have to say, hey, when the church doors are open, I'm going to be there. Because you know what? My son's watching me. My daughter's watching me. They see what I do. They know what I'm all about. They see me at home. They don't just see me at church. Things that we have to remember as parents, as teachers, workers. It's not just for parents as uh, workers and teachers. Maybe you don't have any kids, but God still allows you to have influence on kids. And let's make sure that we use it to the most, the best uh, potential for our church. And the Lord will bless it down the road. And we'll see this church do great things because of our youth. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, we do come before you tonight, Lord.